Chapter Seven, Book Five of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. Amelia, Volume Two, by Henry Fielding. Chapter Seven, Containing Various Matters. We have already mentioned the good humour in which Booth returned home, and the reader will easily believe it was not a little increased by the good humour in which he found his company. My lord received him with the utmost marks of friendship and affection, and told him that his affairs went on as well almost as he himself could desire, and that he doubted not very soon to wish him joy of a company. When Booth had made a proper return to all his lordship's unparalleled goodness, he whispered Amelia that the coroner was entirely out of danger, and almost as well as himself. This made her satisfaction complete, threw her into such spirits, and gave such a lustre to her eyes that her face, as Horace says, was too dazzling to be looked at. It was certainly too handsome to be looked at without the highest admiration. His lordship departed about ten o'clock and left the company in raptures with him, especially the two ladies of whom it is difficult to say which exceeded the other in his commendations. Mrs. Ellison swore she believed he was the best of all humankind, and Amelia, without making any exception, declared he was the finest gentleman and most agreeable man she had ever seen in her life adding it was a great pity he should remain single that's true indeed cries mrs ellison and i have often lamented it nay i am astonished at it considering the great liking he always showed for our sex and he may certainly have the choice of all the real reason i believe is his fondness for his sister's children i declare madam if you was to see his behaviour to them you would think they were his own indeed he is vastly fond of all manner of children good creature cries amelia if ever he doth me the honour of another visit i am resolved i will show him my little things i think mrs ellison as you say my lord loves children i might say without vanity he will not see many such no indeed will he not answered mrs ellison and now i think aunt madam i wonder at my own stupidity in never making the offer before but since you put it into my head if you will give me leave i will take master and miss to wait on my lord's nephew and niece they are very pretty behaved children and little master and miss will be I dare swear very happy in their acquaintance. Besides, if my lord himself should see them, I know that will happen, for he is the most generous of all human beings. Amelia very readily accepted the favour which Mrs. Ellison offered her, but Booth expressed some reluctance. Upon my word, my dear, said he, with a smile, this behaviour of ours puts me in mind of the common conduct of beggars who whenever they receive a favour 
are sure to send other objects to the same fountain of charity don't we my dear repay our obligations to my lord in the same manner by sending our children a begging to him oh beastly cries mrs ellison how could such a thought enter your brains i protest madam i begin to grow ashamed of this husband of yours how can you have so vulgar a way of thinking begging indeed the poor little dear things are begging if my lord was capable of such a thought though he was my own brother instead of my cousin i should scorn him too much ever to enter his doors oh dear madam answered amelia you take mr booth too seriously when he was only in jest and the children shall wait upon you whenever you please though booth had been a little more in earnest than amelia had represented him and was not perhaps quite so much in the wrong as he was considered by mrs ellison yet seeing there were two to one against him he wisely thought proper to recede and let his smile go off with that air of a jest which his wife had given it mrs ellison however could not let it pass without paying some compliments to amelia's understanding nor without some obscure reflection upon booth with whom she was more offended than the matter required she was indeed a woman of most profuse generosity and could not bear a thought which she deemed vulgar or sneaking she afterwards launched forth the most profuse encomiums of his lordship liberality and concluded the evening with some instances which he had given of that virtue which if not the noblest is perhaps one of the most useful to society with which great and rich men can be endowed the next morning early sergeant atkinson came to wait on lieutenant booth and desired to speak with his honour in private upon which the lieutenant and sergeant took a walk together in the park booth expected every minute when the sergeant would open his mouth under which expectation he continued till he came to the end of the mall and so he might have continued till he came to the end of the world for though several words stood at the end of the sergeant's lips there they were likely to remain for ever he was indeed in the condition of a miser whom a charitable impulse hath impelled to draw a few pence to the edge of his pocket where they are altogether as secure as if they were in the bottom for as the one had not the heart to part with a farthing so neither had the other the heart to speak a word booth at length wondering why the surgeon did not speak asked him what his business was when the latter with a stammering voice began the following apology i hope sir your honour will not be angry nor take anything amiss of me i do assure you it was not of my seeking nay i dare not to proceed in the matter without first asking your leave indeed if i had taken any liberties from the goodness you have been pleased to show me i should look upon myself as one of the most worthless and despicable of wretches but nothing is farther from my thoughts i know the distance which is between us and because your honour hath been so kind and good as to treat me with more familiarity than any other officer ever did 
if i had been base enough to take any freedoms or to encroach upon your honour's goodness i should deserve to be whipped through the regiment i hope therefore sir you will not suspect me of any such attempt what can all this mean atkinson cries booth what mighty matter would you introduce with all this previous apology i am almost ashamed and afraid to mention it answered the sergeant and yet i am sure your honour will believe what i have said and not think anything owing to my own presumption and at the same time i have no reason to think you would do anything to spoil my fortune in an honest way when it is dropped into my lap without my own seeking for i may perish if it is not all the lady's own goodness and i hope in heaven with your honour's leave i shall live to make her amends for it in a word that we may not detain the reader's curiosity quite so long as he did boots he acquainted that gentleman that he had an offer of marriage from a lady of his acquaintance to whose company he had introduced him and desired his permission to accept of it booth must have been very dull indeed if after what the sergeant had said and after what he had heard mrs ellison say he had wanted any information concerning the lady he answered him briskly and cheerfully that he had his free consent to marry any woman whatever and the greater and richer she is added he the more i shall be pleased with the match i don't inquire who the lady is said he smiling but i hope she will make as good a wife as i am convinced her husband will deserve your honour hath been always too good to me cries atkinson but this i promise you i will do all in my power to marry the kindness she is pleased to show me i will be bold to say she will marry an honest man though he is but a poor one and she shall never want anything which i can give her or do for her while my name is joseph atkinson and so her name is a secret joe is it cries booth why sir answered the surgeon i hope you the honour will not insist upon knowing that as i think it would be dishonourable in me to mention it not at all replied booth i am the farthest in the world from any such desire i know thee better than to imagine thou wouldst disclose the name of a fair lady booth then shook atkinson heartily by the hand and assured him earnestly of the joy he had in his good fortune for which the good sergeant failed not of making all proper acknowledgments after which they parted and booth returned home as mrs ellison opened the door booth hastily rushed by for he had the utmost difficult to prevent laughing in her face he ran directly upstairs and throwing himself into a chair discharged such a fit of laughter as greatly surprised and at first almost frightened his wife amelia it will be supposed presently inquired into the cause of this phenomenon with which booth as soon as he was able for that was not within a few minutes acquainted her the news did not affect her in the same manner it had affected her husband on the contrary she cried i protest i cannot guess what makes you see it in so ridiculous a light 
I really think Mrs. Ellison hath chosen very well. I am convinced Joe will make her one of the best of husbands, and, in my opinion, that is the greatest blessing a woman can be possessed of. However, when Mrs. Ellison came into her room, a little while afterwards to fetch the children, Amelia became of a more risible disposition, especially when the former, turning to Booth, who was then present, said, So, Captain, my genty surgeon was very early here this morning. I scolded my maid heartily for letting him wait so long in the entry, like a laquais, when she might have shunned him into my inner apartment, at which words Booth burst out in a very loud laugh and amelia herself could not more prevent laughing than she could blushing hey day cries mrs ellison what have i said to cause all this mirth and at the same time blushed and looked very silly as is always the case with persons who suspect themselves to be the objects of laughter without absolutely taking what it is which makes them ridiculous booth still continued laughing but amelia composing her muscles said i ask your pardon dear mrs ellison but mr booth hath been in a strange jiggling humour all this morning and i really think it is infectious i ask your pardon too madam cries booth but one is sometimes unaccountably foolish nay but seriously said she what is the matter something i said about the sergeant i believe but you may laugh as much as you please i am not ashamed of owning i think him one of the prettiest fellows i ever saw in my life and i owned i scolded my maid at suffering him to wait in my entry and where is the mighty ridiculous matter pray none at all answered booth and i hope the next time he will be ushered into your inner apartment why should he not sir replied she for whatever he's ushered i am convinced he will behave himself as a gentleman should here amelia put an end to the discourse or it might have proceeded to very great lengths for booth was of a waggish inclination and mrs ellison was not a lady of the nicest delicacy end of chapter seven recorded by gabby cowan